You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I'm almost tempted to leave this one alone because it's already been beaten to death everywhere, this closeted gay horse. But, you know, you can write the script now. Anti-gay Republican politician, state senator in California, led anti-gay marriage rallies to protect our families. Senator Roy Ashburn. Arrested, leaving a gay bar in a state car with a strange man in his car, gets a DUI, Big scandal. What's he doing at the fag bar? Turns out he goes to fag bars all the time. Turns out the anti-gay Senator Roy Ashburn is himself a gay. No one could have predicted. At this point, if you're an anti-gay politician, I think the first question you should have to answer at every press conference is, are you sucking cock? Have you sucked cock in the last 30 minutes? Were you sucking cock immediately prior to entering the room for this press conference? Odds that that, if you hooked him up to, you know, a truth machine, what are those things called? A lie detector. Thank you, Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. That the answer would be yes. They just had a cock in their mouth because nothing else explains their obsession with deflecting attention from their own irksome sexuality, irksome to them, than, you know, a good offense being very offensive about other gays and lesbians. Now, uh, Senator Ashmore not only led was not only a leader in the anti-gay right-wing Republican bigot asshole fuckwit caucus in the state Senate in California, not only hosted rallies with major anti-gay religious figures in California against gay marriage, and then was sucking cock, and then was gay, just came out as gay, and has said he's out as gay now and he wants to continue to serve his constituents as an anti-gay legislator who happens to be openly gay. He's going to continue to vote the way he's always voted because it's what his constituents want. You know, Senator Ashburn, your constituents probably didn't want to vote for a fag. And if they'd known you were a fag, they wouldn't have elected you. So if you, it's about what your constituents want. You should resign. But what's really funny where this like flips, you know, a whole nother level of farce is he had a ridiculous anti-gay voting record and was gay himself. He had an anti Immigrant voting record, anti-illegal immigrant voting record, screamed and yelled about it. English should be the only legal language in California and the United States of America. Guess who he left the bar with? Can you guess? It was Latin night at the bar. And he left with a Latino. I think we need to we need to go through Roy Ashburn's voting record with a fine-tooth comb because really anything he was against he was fucking. If he was against, you know, animal rights protections or you know doing away with foie gras, he was fucking geese, all right? If he took a vote against protecting geese from foie gras production, he it was because he had his dick down a goose's throat that morning. Anti-abortion votes, no doubt, probably fucking fetuses. There's really no end to the assumptions we can now make. Anti-gay voting record, gay, anti-illegal, anti-immigrant voting record, picking up Latin guys at Latin night, Latino guys taking them back to their hotels. Oh, maybe he wasn't taking the Latin guy back to his hotel. Maybe he was escorting him to the border. Maybe he was, you know, a citizen's arrest and he was going to drop the guy off in Tijuana. Anyway, Senator Roy Ashburn, just another 
entrant in the you know bill of goods here. Like, come on, we have to stop pretending. Anti-gay Fred Phelps, cocksucker. John McCain, cocksucker. Ted Haggard, cocksucker. Anyway, Joe Jervis, who blogs, joemygod.blogspot.com, inspired his readers to create a Facebook page called One Million Gay Men and Allies Against Roy Ashburn Having Sex Ever Again. I encourage you to join. Right now there are 1,100 members at One Million Gay Men and Allies Against Roy Ashburn Ever, ever Having Sex Again. I think it's important that if somebody is, has an anti-gay voting record as a legislator, that they not be having gay sex. And it's really up to gay people who aren't conflicted sacks of shit not to fuck them. But if you are, you know, if you have a fetish for late middle-aged closeted state senators and you really got to fuck him when he hits on you in the bar, take some pictures and out the bastard. Otherwise, please join one million gay men and allies against Roy Ashburn having sex ever again. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey Dan, uh, I've got a, well, unusual question for me, maybe not for you. Uh, let's see, I'm a 31-year-old straight guy, uh, live in San Francisco, and I I kind of think I got hit on by a couple the other night, and I, I don't know. I'm just not sure if if that actually did happen or not. And then, because they both independently one night late at the bar, uh, I was I, I I just know them from the neighborhood. They've been around for a little while, and I kind of just knew them enough to say hello. And this is the first time I actually hung out with them directly. And we're just sitting there having drinks, and I was talking to the husband. And at one point, he started saying to me, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm so, so glad to know you. You're a great guy, and you're really cool, and I like hanging out with you, and I'm really really glad we're getting to know each other and that we're friends. And then maybe an hour later, I was sitting chatting with the wife, and uh, almost said exactly the same thing verbatim, and it just struck me as odd. I was like, are they, hmm, are they, are, are they swingers? Are they, are they hitting on me? Are they not? Am I just making too much of this because I think the wife's really hot? Um... And then the next night, I was talking to another friend from the neighborhood that also knows them and telling him what happened, but not who they were, and saying, he's like, like my friend was like, well, who, you know, which which couple is it? And I was like, oh, you know, I'd rather not say, because I don't know if they actually were hitting on me, and even if they were, if they would want other people to know. And he just said, oh, is it this couple? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's them. That's who it was, how, what made you, he's like, oh, I totally get a vibe that they're kind of up for anything. So that kind of confirmed my thought that that was true. So I'm just kind of wondering, I, I, I might kind of like to act on this, but not anything physical with the husband, but he could be, I don't know. I, I mean, the wife's really cute and she's a sweet girl and I wouldn't mind if something happened, but wouldn't know what to do. Um, the one thought I had was maybe I could, if I just see him at one point, kind of jokingly be like, oh yeah, when I first saw you around the neighborhood, you know, I thought your wife was really cute and was really jealous of you, et cetera, and just kind of see what happens then. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering if you think that's a good idea for a, a tactic to kind of jokingly tell him you're jealous of him because his wife is hot and see what he says next. Um, anyway, I, I, I would really 
Love you, Harry Fox. A couple, independently of each other, made sort of vague and open-ended comments that could be interpreted as flirtatious or an invitation. And your responsibility at that moment or now is to respond in kind, is to make vague and open-ended comments that they could interpret as welcoming of their vagueness and open ends. So just give them your phone number and say, really like meeting you guys too, next time you see either of them. Really like meeting you guys too. And if you ever want to hang out, I'd love to hang out sometime, dot, dot, dot. And leave it at that. Don't say, hey, when you move to the neighborhood, I really like your wife with that. You don't want to come across as a creep. Because that's really, for a lot of swinging couples, a deal breaker, a straight single guy who seems creepy. As for, you know, what's going to happen and you're into the wife, but you don't want to do anything with the husband, those are the things that you negotiate after the couple lays their cards on the table and says, we want to fuck you. We are swingers. What are you into? What are you up for? You will have that conversation in due time. But really, the onus is on them if they want to invite you into their relationship to make an explicit invitation. Perhaps they hinted. Now you hint back. Ball in their court. Hi, Dan. I am a new listener. My name is Nicole. This guy I'm talking to that I went to high school with, he is a bisexual. He um, never dated a guy. He has fooled around with a guy. And I can't get it out of my head. And the reason why is because um, he's really pushing threesomes, either two guys and him, or not, not two guys and him, another guy, myself and him, or another girl, myself and him, and I'm not into it at all. I'm, I'm not into that whatsoever. I mean, when I was younger, like 16, I experimented with a girl once, and it wasn't for me, and... Um, I like him. He's a, he's a good, he's a good guy. He just, our sexual patterns and backgrounds just don't really match up. And although when we flirt and stuff, and I kind of like, we tease each other about things that we want to do and stuff like normal couples do, we're not officially dating yet, but I can't get out the fact that he has hooked up with a guy and he keeps suggesting, well, maybe a strap on would work. And although the idea of a strap-on is, I guess, a better solution than a threesome, it still makes me really uncomfortable. And I tried talking to him about this. He still wants to be with me, and he understands, and he'll get over it. But he compares it to, like, winning lottery. And he's like, well, I want to win the lottery, too, but obviously that'll never happen. So I want to have a threesome with you, and I want you to wear a strap-on, but obviously that'll never happen, so I'll just let it go. But there are so many couples that I've seen and so many listeners that I've heard call in that if the sexual chemistry doesn't match up where you can explore each other's most sexual desires, the relationship doesn't seem to work. This is never going to work. The end. Shall I go on? I'm getting the more sign from the text of your You are just basically sexually incompatible, the both of you. You are not well-suited. You are not going to be a good match. I don't want to put a value judgment on what he wants or what you want, but he's not going to be satisfied with you, and you are always going to be 
suspicious of what he's up to because you're going to know forever that you're not meeting his needs uh, for male contact, for threesomes, for more sexual variety and adventures, for getting his ass raped. You're not going to be you're not willing to do anything of the sort, anything that he's already told you explicitly he's interested in. So that is going to eat away at you, at your brain uh, and make you insecure and also, he's going to be unsatisfied. So one or the other, you is eventually going to pull the trigger and end this relationship. And I think since you said it hasn't yet even begun, now's the time to end it. Before it starts is a really good time to end a relationship that you both know or should know will not work out. Oh, Dan, I have got a question for you. Um, so I live with my father, my um, dad, um, you know, trying to uh, recoup the loss of student loans. Um, anyway, um, so the other night I was uh, out running an errand, and I told him I'd be back in like an hour or so. And I come back, and um, walking up the stairs of my house, uh, groceries all in my hands, kind of full, look through the window and see my stepfather. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't see anything in particular, but I definitely saw uh, porn. And he was facing the window, like, of the main place that we live on. And um, I just kind of um, pretended it didn't happen and went up to the door and knocked. And he's like, oh, was it locked? And I didn't see uh, any actual uh, masturbating happening, happening, masturbation happening. But um, I'm, um, I'm just kind of um, embarrassed and uh, flabbergasted and don't really know if I want to uh, talk to him about it. I know that my dad is... Um, he has every right to his sexuality. I just, um, I don't know if I have a dialogue with him about, uh, you know, just keeping it in the bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and or maybe I should just uh, not talk to him at all about it um, and spare us both a big amount of embarrassment. Okay, so you're living in your dad's house, rent-free, mm-hmm. to help patch the economic hole that student loans blew in your life. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. want to tell him where and when he can look at porn and where and when he can turn <laughs> it off. He can turn it off. His own house. I, okay, I where don't, he's graciously I allowing you to live rent free. It was. It was more just. Um, I was just so embarrassed. I don't think he saw me. I don't think he knows that I saw him because he his back was to me. He was in the living room. He was on the first floor of like a very public street in my neighborhood. And you could see I, the screen. I didn't. Yeah, I couldn't see anything actually happening. Like, um, no, how, how do you know he was beating off? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he was. Did he computer in his own living room? Yeah. What's I mean, wrong with that? I look at porn in every room in my house on my computer. <laughs> I know, but it's my father. Like, he has, he has a great it's bedroom. your father, like, he has a dick, and he has a right to look at whatever <laughs> turns him on, and you have a right to keep your mouth shut about it. Okay, okay. That's that's what I needed to hear, because I didn't, because I thought that he felt really uncomfortable if he had, if I had seen him. Um, you know, it might, it would make me really uncomfortable if my son caught me looking at porn in the living room, and then I would be much more careful. It's never happened, because I'm totally paranoid. He now knows that, oh shit, right, you bumbling into his, like, porn surfing moment was a reminder that, oh, I'm not living alone in this house anymore, I be a little more circumspect, perhaps, which you don't, he knows that now. You do not need to have this conversation where you scold him, him like he's a 13-year-old boy, you're his mom, and you tell him to keep it in his bedroom. I, yeah, I never, I never would have scolded him at all. Like as I said, like I, I completely respect his, his sexuality. Like I know him and my mom like aren't 
in the same city, so they definitely, you know, like, I, 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 I'm very empathetic to that. Um, I think you were shocked it, because you're a child of a, you know, yeah. a child, and we like to pretend our parents have no sexual agency and no interest in sex because it goobs us out a little bit, makes us feel a little awkward. <laughs> You know, yeah, and so yeah. you want to wipe that away, and you want to make sure you don't uncover any more traces of his sexuality because it makes you more comfortable. The only way to make sure you don't uncover any traces of your stepdad's sexuality is to move the fuck out of his house. Okay. How much okay. is it worth to you never to see him looking at porn again or hear, overhear him masturbating? Which is a, you know, you're running a risk of Oh, God. Oh, man. Don't. Oh, Dan. Okay. Dan. So if, okay. if it's worth rent, if it's worth like the five, eight, eleven, twelve hundred dollars a month you'd have to pay to live on your own, move the fuck out. If it's not worth that amount of money, shut the fuck up, suck it up, turn a blind eye, live in denial, pretend you didn't see what you did see, and give the old horn dog a break. Oh man, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, yeah. It was more just I needed to, I needed to like rant and like see if anybody else had experienced something oh, like this. Everybody's you know? experienced this. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm good now. Like, and, and, like you know me, and you know why you don't, you don't know that everyone's experiences because most people know just to like shut the fuck up about it. Can never talk about it. Yeah, like don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, totally. When they see their parents, like they walk in on their parents, it's just like, oh man, they're. And like a week's gone by, like two weeks at this point, I'm like, okay, it's all good. Like, let I, go, you know, let it yeah. Go, let <laughs> go. Oh, Dan. Well, Don't thank you for hand towel in the laundry room too close. <laughs> yeah, because I do. I, oh God, I do do the laundry too. I mean, I do. You know, I do take care of him. You know, like I do. Like I cook his meals. Like I clean the house. Like it's not. I do live rent free, but I also like. We have this understanding that, like, I, you know, I respect your space. Yeah, and you're contributing. Right. I'm not just... Terrific. It's great. Now, you know what? The last thing you need to contribute is your... My opinion. ...denial. (laughs) You need to suspend your disbelief and regard your dad, you know, your dad as dickless, even though you have evidence that proves the opposite, and and, and will yourself uh, to turn that blind eye whenever you uncover evidence of his sexuality if it makes it that uncomfortable. Right. Okay. All right. Good luck. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. My future roommate and I are having a debate on what qualifies as sex. Um, She may or may not have gone home with a troll. Yeah, unfortunate as it may be. And she says that they had oral sex. Which I say, as unfortunate as it is, counts as sex, but she refuses to admit it. So, returning to you to see if you could answer this question, I'm pretty sure you'll side with me because I'm saying she's kind of laying the excuse that the Christian girls do. We have to have anal because I am saving myself for Jesus. Oral sex counts. That's why it's called oral sex and not oral chocolate Easter eggs or oral tax or oral spare fucking chains. Oral fucking sex. Because it's sex. 
uh, it's not vaginal intercourse. Interestingly enough, the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University just released a study that shows that how people define sex varies widely, though nearly all – quoting from the Kinsey uh, Institute's website – though nearly all concurred that penal vaginal intercourse fits the criteria, two out of ten people did not concur that penal anal intercourse was sex, to be news to my boyfriend, and three out of ten said no to oral genital activity, as did half of the respondents about manual genital contact. Look, if you're masturbating someone, you're having sex with them. If you're fucking someone's ass, you're having sex with them. If you are having your ass fucked, you are having sex. If you are being masturbated by someone, you're having sex. And if you if your mouth is wrapped around someone's cock or pressed into someone's vagina, you are having sex. Hilariously enough, some of the people polled, very small percentage, didn't regard vaginal intercourse as sex. Maybe those are the gays. It was like 5% of response. Maybe those are the gays. I certainly don't regard vaginal intercourse as any sort of sex act I want to engage in, but I do acknowledge that it is a sex act. Your roommate has her head in her ass, which is also sex. You can tell her I said so. Hey, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old girl in Chicago, and um, I recently broke up with my boyfriend of a year and a half about two months ago. And after a month of being apart from him and dating other people and whatnot, he came back pleading for another chance with the abuse, like his fourth or fifth, really, um, saying he'd finally seen the light and blah, blah, blah. So against all better judgment and my friend's opinions, I decided to start seeing him again just to see what would happen because he was my first relationship. He, we had a really great relationship when it was good and it was really bad when it was bad. And he has changed. He's stopped drinking. He's more present. He's a better sexual partner. I mean, everything that I wanted him to do when we were in the relationship, he is that. But I'm at an impasse right now because we've been seeing each other for about a month and I just don't know if I can bring him back into my life. Um, None of my friends like him, they've all said to me, we don't support this relationship. We're not going to be with you as a couple in social situations. said to me already that he wants to marry me and I sort of don't answer and he says that he loves me and I never really answer because I'm not there on the trust level yet. And I've tried to communicate to him that, you know, we had a bad relationship and it's going to take some time. But the whole issue with my friends and his future plans are sort of crushing me right now. And I don't really know if I should end it or if I should just say, fuck everything I think this is the person I want to be with, and you're just going to have to deal with it. In general, I do think people should listen to their friends. They're the ones who aren't blinded by love or obligation or gratitude or whatever, and they can sometimes see clearly what we can't, our friends. They can see what we can't when we're head over heels. They can see the shithole through the pants. Now, you say you've only been back together for a month and that he's quit drinking and fix some of his behavioral problems and is more present and better in bed and waka, waka, waka. 
that's all great. And I think if he's really changed, that he may deserve the second chance you've given him. Obviously, he has a lot of ground to make up because you don't trust him. You're not saying I love you. You're not saying yes to his quasi-marriage proposals. And so you need to give this, if you're willing to you know, sacrifice some time with your friends, time to unfold. And I would ask your friends to spend some time with him, not out of any love for him, but out of a sense of responsibility to you. Uh, that that you are you you're hearing them when they say that it's, he's bad news and they don't think that you should be back together with him, but you're hanging with him a little bit and he seems to have really changed and you want their perspective, you want their judgment, you want their input, and the only way you're going to get it and have it be of any value is if they spend a little time with him too. So call your friends and say that to him and call them in and call in a favor and make them hang with him. I am concerned though, and I'm going to side with your friends here. When you say, you know, you've been back together for a month and he's talking about marriage and I love you, that sort of rush uh, when someone has undertaken major changes, like stop drinking and stop being an asshole, that rush to nail you down, uh, to sort of mau-mau you into a commitment, sometimes people with drinking problems and drug problems and asshole problems do that because they know they're not going to be able to keep the act up forever, that it's a, a gambit to, you know, weld you to their side so that they can then return to drinking or assholing or whatever uh, at a time when it's much harder for you to extricate yourself from the relationship. So be very cautious. And it's a red flag that at a month of after a month of good behavior, he's talking about marriage. Uh, and you say the future plans, his future plans are crushing me right now. That sort of statement doesn't say, oh, I'm experiencing nothing but joy uh, in this relationship. It sounds like you're aware that you're being pressured and rushed and mom out a little bit. So you need to go very slowly. You need to put the brakes on this. If he's really changed for good and forever and not just long enough to nail you down, he will be this good, decent, good in bed, sober, non-asshole person a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. You can date for two, five years. And I think in an instance like this, you should date for a very long time. And if you do accept his marriage proposal down the road, there should be a very long engagement. He needs to prove to you that the changes that he's made are lifelong, permanent, never going back, not just a a stratagem to pull you back into his life. Hi, Dan. I am recently seeing a girl. I'm a straight man, 32 years old in Wisconsin. Um, Her and I, her name is Monica, have been dating for about two months, and she's my first real serious girlfriend since my uh, pretty ugly breakup with an ex-fiance. She called off the wedding nine days before the wedding, left me with the house, and calling all the relatives saying, we're done. And that was October of 2008, so about a year and a half ago. So recently, because I'm very insecure, always been neurotic, always been someone who reads into things way more than the average person. And because of my past with the ex-fiance, I've been um, seeing things that are probably not signs as signs. And I've just kind of had the attitude with, with Monica now of I'm just going to be myself and express to her that sometimes I get insecure and hope she can deal with it. And normally she can deal with it. But uh, a few weeks ago, we had a little bit of a falling out because we one of these things where we've been seeing each other for a short time, but we got really close really fast and then started seeing each other every day. And one night she said, I don't want to see you tonight. And I took it as, so she's seeing someone else, even though we've had the talk about being serious 
and of things being good for both of us. But, of course, I took it the wrong way. We got over it, but I still said, you know, it's going to get better the more time we're together, but for now, I'm insecure, and for now, I need to be reassured. So things were good. Um, we've had sex quite often, awesome sex, and thing, things in that department are really good. She's met my mom, and they get along. And then this morning, she actually did sleep over, and this morning she said, I'm applying for a job in Toledo, Ohio, which, again, because I'm insecure, thought, well, if she gets the job, then we're done. And I said, and she said, are you okay? And I said, you can do whatever you want. You can apply if you want. I just don't want us to break up, and I know if you move to another state, we're going to break up. And I am happy with you. And she said, well, I'm happy too, but I think we're just kind of going through a weird phase. And I thought, a weird phase. Okay. Again, I think the weird thing, and I think what's going on. So I talked to my mom about this today, and she thinks she's going to break up with me. I'm rambling, but what are your thoughts? Do you think she's going to break up with me? Uh, Or do you think I should just take a big fucking chill pill and calm the fuck down? You should take a big fucking chill pill and calm the fuck down whether or not this woman breaks up with you or stays with you for the rest of your fucking life. It's only been two months. You know, you require a lot of reassurance. You have to learn how to reassure your goddamn self. You're not the only person who is left at the altar. You're not the only person who's been dumped. Every relationship, as I'm always saying, that you're ever going to be in in your whole life is going to fail until one doesn't. It might be this one. It might be the next one. You've only been dating this girl for two months. You can't demand that sort of lifetime commitment that you seem to think she owes you or constant reassurance that you seem to think she owes you. Yeah, you're insecure. That's not her responsibility. You were dumped at the altar by your fiancé. That's not her fault. And she doesn't have to always sort of be on probation and making amends for the behavior of your ex-fiancé. You need to suck it up and you need to, when you enter into a dating relationship, be healthy and secure enough at the outset that you don't require constant reassurance. Okay? Reading the tea leaves, which are the biggest, fattest tea leaves I've ever seen in the bottom of a cup. Applying for jobs in other cities? Bad sign. We're going through a weird phase right now. Bad sign. I need a night apart. I need to spend a night alone. And you flipping out. Really bad sign if I were advising her. You know, sometimes I need a night away from my partner. People need time to themselves, particularly early in a relationship, particularly at two months. Because then you're still going, well, you're still weighing whether... Do I enjoy myself more away from this person than I do with this person? Uh, Am I dating somebody else and I want to wrap that up or I want to, you know, dip back in and see if I'm making the right choice? People have a right to do that sort of thing at two months. They have a right to their own time, their own lives. You haven't melded yet uh, and you don't have a right to call her to account on where she is at all times or expect her to be with you at all times at two months. Maybe it won't end. Take a chill pill. Maybe it's going to end. Take a chill pill. Take – several dozen before your next relationship, get a therapist, not a girlfriend, who can help you learn how to reassure yourself because it's not going to be your girlfriend, whether it's her or somebody else down the road. It's not going to be your girlfriend's responsibility to buck you up for the rest of your life. You have to find that inside yourself and then you'll be ready to have a relationship. And finally, stop running to your mother with this shit. Oh, you've been dating this girl for two months. She's met your mother. You're telling your mother everything. Your mother tells you that she's going to dump you. Like, cut your mother out of your romantic life. It's not your mother's job. And you shouldn't be dumping all this on your mother. And if I were your girlfriend, I wouldn't appreciate 
your mother as sounding board and assessor and judge and jury. Get a therapist. Leave your mother out of it. Hi, Dan. I am a 19-year-old female from Wisconsin. Um, I'm straight, and I've been in a fantastic relationship for about seven and a half months now um, with my boyfriend. And um, we're kind of into dom-sub, um, not only in the bedroom, but also outside of the bedroom. Nothing crazy, um, nothing like the secretary the movie. <laughs> um, but when I go out with my sister, who I love to death, um, little comments that I would make to my boyfriend that would kind of be foreplay for us throughout the day um, kind of turns into arguments because she thinks that I'm treating him terribly and she'll say, oh, you're being so mean to him or, oh, Ryan, it's okay, um, you know, don't worry about it. She's just a big jerk or something like that. And, and quite honestly, it's getting to the point where it's kind of a relationship killer. So, um if you could help me out, maybe some suggestions as to what to say to her, if I should even talk to her. She's she's never really been open to talking about that sort of thing. She's younger than me and um, hasn't really had a lot of experience, so not really sure what to say. If you're doing DS play in and out of the bedroom, in front of your younger sister, and you're only 19, and I'm curious how much younger your sister is, you are involving your sister in your sex play. That ain't okay. Uh, there are a lot of people who do DS stuff uh, in and out of the bedroom. Uh, the out of the bedroom uh, DS play should be, if it's very explicit, around other people who are aware and are into and are down with DS play. Think fetish parties. Think dungeon parties. Think sex clubs. DS play when you're around people who are not aware, are not into it, did not self-nominate to participate you know, in your sex life needs to be very subtle. It needs to be very, very subtle so as not to traumatize, so as not to involve someone in a non-consensual way in your DS sex play. You are involving your younger sister in a non-consensual fashion in your DS sex play and that again is not okay. Particularly when you have a sister who you say is not open about sex or sexuality with you generally. So you need to ramp it back a significant amount when you and your boyfriend slash slave are hanging out with your younger sister. Just calm it the fuck down. All right? I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. It's great. You're 19 years old and you're kinky and you're uh, aware of it and self-possessed enough to explore it without feeling terribly conflicted. But you obviously don't know a lot about how uh, it's done, what safe, sane, and consensual yet means, or risk-aware consensual kink. Your sister is not consenting. You are dragging her in. Knock it the fuck off. That ain't okay. Again, for the millionth time, it's not okay. Uh, what is okay is that you two are exploring this together and you – you, you hit a groove and you found a guy that you like and he likes you and you're into the same things. All, the, all that is genius and brilliant. You just need to limit it to the bedroom. And when you take it outside the bedroom, it needs to be – you need to be alone or you need to be with people who are into it too or it needs to be so subtle that people who don't know aren't made uncomfortable and you're making your sister uncomfortable. Hi, Dan. I was just listening to podcast 174, and I just wanted to respond about the woman who called. Uh, she was in an open marriage and had 
fooled around with her neighbor, and now he was sort of freaking out. And I totally agree with you that there sounds like a real degree of danger there. And I wish that you would have said to her that she should really contact a local domestic violence organization, although they aren't domestic and living together. They have slept together. And, uh, you know, as opposed to just confronting him or going straight to the police, I think she should do a little safety planning and her local domestic violence project could help her do that. And if she doesn't know who it is, I'm sure she could find it online. Hey, Dan, this is Mike. Uh, I'm calling in response to episode 175 with the uh, guy who had an interracial fetish, and he said he really wanted his wife to have sex with a black man, and she didn't want to do it because she was Christian. Um, He had said that his wife really enjoyed long massages, and I was thinking, why doesn't he hire a black man to give his wife a really long semi-erotic massage, you know, whatever his wife would be willing to go to, whatever point she'd be willing to go to, and, uh, you know, hopefully the guy would be open with him sitting in the room and enjoying the massage, and he could have at least the memory of that, and uh, I'm sure that would really get him excited, at least to see his wife's body being manipulated by a black man, if not uh, penetrated. Hey, Dan. Calling about a guy who, uh, on your show, mentioning that uh, not being able to look the guy in the eyes uh, while while kissing was a deal breaker, and as somebody who has uh, farsightedness, which which is, means that I can't focus on things that are close up, usually past about six to seven inches from my face. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to say that, that you should have some uh, some compassion for for those of us who don't have uh, perfect eyesight, and he should you know just just appreciate what's there in front of him. Maybe maybe look at them while uh, while they're closing their eyes. They've got the same condition that I've got. Yeah, man, love is love. You should keep it real. Thanks for your feedback, everybody. If you have a comment or a question for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Please leave a callback number in case we want to get in touch with you. Again, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. That number again, 206-201-2720. Me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.